In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Our Old Testament reading this morning takes us to the end of Esther's story. We're dropped in without any preamble or explanation to a second party that Queen Esther is throwing for King Ahasuerus, Haman, and the other men of the court. We find out a little later that she has a cousin named Mordecai. When I was a kid, my pastor growing up called the book of Esther the Bible's best soap opera. So the question is, how did we get here? And who are these people? The book of Esther opens with the people throwing the king a lavish party a week long in his honor. At the same time, his then-wife Vashti was throwing a party for the ladies. On the last day, very drunk, he he asked Vashti to come and show off for his guests. The Bible says wearing, wearing a crown, and what's wrong with wearing a crown? But the implication is, he was asking her to come wearing only a crown. She refuses. He deposes her. And after the king cools down, because the Bible is very specific in saying, and after the king lost his anger, his courtiers proposed having a beauty contest of all the fair maidens in the Persian Empire to find her replacement. So all the governors are told to round up the most beautiful young maidens and ship them to the capital. Now, living in the capital of Susa's that time is Mordecai. Mordecai is a Jew who, after, after uh, Israel had been conquered, was brought to Susa and worked in the palace. He has as his young ward his orphan cousin Esther. Esther is one of those who's selected, so she goes and joins the king's harem, but no one knows she's a Jewess. Time passes, the king falls in love with Esther, and she becomes his queen. A little bit later, Mordecai finds out that two of the king's bodyguards are conspiring to assassinate the king. Mordecai tells his cousin, who informs the king. The two are caught, and they are dealt with. Now at about that same time, Haman is raised up to become the chief advisor to the king. Mordecai does not bow low enough and give Haman the honor that he thinks he deserves. And so knowing that Mordecai is a Jew... He convinces the king that all Jews are traitors and that they need to wipe them out. And, O king, if you'll wipe them out, we'll take a portion of all the spoils and we'll put it in your treasury for you to use as you want. The king agrees to this wise business plan, and they're going to do it on the 13th day of the 12th month. They send out messages to all the governors and the other leaders in the empire, and the ball starts rolling. When Mordecai learns of this, he sends messages to all the Jewish people he knows around the empire. And they begin to go around in mourning in sackcloth and ashes. Now Esther at the same time is in the palace isolated from everything. But when she hears that Mordecai is running around in sackcloth and ashes, she has to send messengers to him to tell him what's going on. And Mordecai replies to Esther, Do not imagine that you and the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. But who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. 
they come up with a plan. Esther will throw a series of parties for the king and the important people in the court. And when the king is very happy with her, she will reveal that Haman's going to execute the queen and her family. The problem is, no one can go and see the king without him inviting them to come. And if they do go and try to visit the king without permission, they can be executed. But the king can, when he sees them coming, extend his scepter out and pardon them. So Esther screws up her courage and goes in to see the king, and the king pardons her. And our lesson this morning takes place at the second feast, where the plot is unmasked and God's people are saved from destruction. Our psalm this morning captures the ending of this story perfectly. If the Lord had not been on our side when enemies rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive in their fierce anger towards us. Then the waters would have overwhelmed us and the torrent gone over us. David knows without God, life can overwhelm us. Esther and God's people were almost under overwhelmed by this royal edict. But God in his mercy had other plans, just like he does for us. David writes, We have escaped like a bird from the snare of a fowler. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God's faithfulness endures from age to age. And God's faithfulness is there even when we argue with him. Last week we read about the disciples arguing about which one of them would be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Now we see John trying to deflect Jesus' words this morning. Jesus, someone who isn't one of us is going around casting out demons in your name. Now, we tend to think of the disciples as the twelve apostles and maybe a couple of other people. But over in Luke at this same time, Jesus appoints 70 other disciples besides the apostles to go out in pairs and tell people about the good news. But Jesus looked at John and said, Do not stop him. For no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. God's grace extends to those we might not agree with. Maybe doesn't attend the same type of church we do, or maybe doesn't worship God the same way. But that doesn't mean they're not following Christ and doing his will. And Jesus then warns his disciple, if your hand offends you, cut it off. And in the midst of all these warnings, Jesus compares us to salt. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. In the ancient world, like it is today, salt was a curative. It preserves. But in the ancient world, it was hard to get pure salt. How can salt lose its saltiness? By being diluted to the point that there's too little there to do any good. Think about baking this morning. Have any of you started making dough? Now around my house that dough would be for pizza or biscuits. But have you ever started making the dough and realized as you're making it this isn't going to be enough for anybody, for everybody coming? I don't know how many times we've started making biscuits for Thanksgiving, looked down and Jenny's Jenny or Arcade look over and go, Dad, that's not enough dough. We need to double the recipe. 
But what happens when you double that recipe and you add the flour and you add the other ingredients, but you don't double the salt? Is it going to taste the same? No. But can you honestly say you have salt in the biscuits? Well, yes. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about here this morning. Remember a couple weeks ago when Jesus said, it's not what goes into someone that makes them impure, it's what comes out of them? Our lives become busier and busier. And if we keep trying to make our relationship with God stay the same, you know, one hour on a Sunday morning, we may end up as a biscuit, but one no one likes eating. We have to be salty to preserve our faith and to help others. We stay salty with prayer, through Bible study, through church, through helping others in Christ's name. But don't let the busyness of life allow you to become spread so thin that you're no longer a witness for Christ. And there are days as Christians when we can feel like the walls are closing in and we have no means of escape and we need help, like Esther did this morning. So what do we do? James writes, Are there any among you suffering? They should pray. Are they cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. We should turn our attention to God no matter what we are doing or what's going on in our life. And when we are sick, we call on the elders of the church. If you're sick, I'll happily bring oil and pray for you. God is faithful to forgive, and God is faithful to heal. James writes, After all, Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. We see throughout Scripture that God answers prayer. We see that in our lives. I've talked with many of you, and I've heard the stories about what God has done. We know that. And for those who wander away, we act like the great shepherd. We follow his example, and we go after the one. And we go with love, and we encourage them to come back. And James says, My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another... You should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. In the Book of Common Prayer, for both Holy Eucharist, right 1 and right 2, there's a section called the Penitential Order. It's prayers prayers that we pray sometimes during Lent and other times of repentance. I want to read a prayer found on page 320. Almighty and merciful Father, We have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare thou those who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind. In Christ Jesus our Lord, And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may ever hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. That's what James and his big brother Jesus were talking about this morning. Church, we have to stay salty and spread the love of God out to those who are far off and to those who are near. And when we wander away or we feel like we're spread thin, remember, Jesus is faithful to forgive. Amen.